the kids today are not physically ill, and they're not spiritually ill, and they're not intellectually ill. They're not Hask children. They're very smart. The part that breaks from trauma and abuse, from childhood trauma, is emotional part of their brain that they can't deal. Now, when they start to show the problem of emotional cancer, when they start to show you, what does it look like? It looks like, I don't want to go to school. It looks like they're not helping out. They're acting strange. They're acting rebellious. So what would a parents do? They start to argue and they start to fight. And then it goes on and on and on and on, the whole spiral. And it's coming from a shirish. It's coming from a place. There's a piece of their brain, not the intellectual part. There's a piece of their brain. You know the muscle in the brain, right? It's broken. And now they have fMRIs that can actually show it. And they can deal with pressure and they can't deal with stress and they have triggers. And therefore, they're acting, what does it look like? Dysfunctional, it looks like um, uh, rebellious, lazy, selfish. That's what it looks like. So almost everybody in the world argues, fights, pushes, gets angry, gets frustrated at this behavior. And then they never really get to see. What you did here brilliantly, Mamish TP black belts are, I mean, everybody listening, I'm sure that you all feel the same way. I mean, this is just, you're an angel. It's Mamish, it's unbelievable what you're doing with her. So when you go to head to somebody who's traumatized, and even if you don't know yet, and you go to a kip, and you don't let anything they do make you reject them, no matter what they do, you look at them like she is with compassion and love. Here you are taking her on vacation, dedicating your whole life to her, and she's cursing you, and nothing, nothing. There's not one bit of you. You're not human. Not human. Your child is cursing you and using you as a punching bag, and you just know that she's sick and she needs to, and you nurture and nurture and nurture. And what's the result of that? The result of that is that you get to see the machla. The machla becomes revealed to you. And you don't see rebellious, and you don't see selfish, and you don't see bad midos. You see a girl or a boy who can go out and, 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 and do sales and, and look like a million bucks and be physically attractive and intellectually smart, right? And yet, break down and have moments where they are on the emotional level of a three-year-old. Of a three-year-old. that And you, I'm trying to bring out a point, I don't know if I'm making it clear. Most parents are never going to have giving enough love and acceptance to these kids that they can be comfortable to fall apart in your arms. But because of what you're doing, she at night goes into mommy's bed and says, hold me tight. The same kid in a different family where they're not doing TP, and we have to give rules and boundaries and consequences, and we have to teach them how are they going to learn, and all of that... They will never see that. Because that child in so much pain, who even though they're an adult, part of them is an adult, part of them is a baby, they're never going to be able to open themselves up to you. They don't feel safe around you to say, can I come into your bed? We have grown men going into their mommy and daddy's bed at night. Please hold me. Men 
who are smart and intelligent and in all way, and they need mommy. And the only way that that will ever happen, that you can see the machla, the piece of your child that's broken, is if when they're spiraling out of control, and when they're misbehaving, that instead of getting angry and frustrated at them, you're doing what you're doing and you're realizing, Shefla, what can I do for you, sweetheart? What's the matter with you? And then you're allowing them to reveal their true broken essence. I get calls every single day from parents. But some of them, it's all different various levels of uh, horrific pain, pain that they have. But they constantly make it worse. So I got a call now. I hope they're going to come to me. The kid is homeless for 10 years. Because 10 years ago, the kid was on weed. And they stopped giving him money because I'm not going to give you money for weed. So he started stealing. So if he's stealing, you, those are not the rules of the house. We call the police. And all of that stuff, they took a kid on weed, which is a an hour room, not a big deal. Okay? We, we've gotten hundreds of kids off weed without rehab here in this room. And it's usually out of pain. And Okay? It's a... And they amputated and amputated. And now, a beggar on the street, literally begging for money. And they say, you know what's interesting? Everybody in the community says he's adorable, he's delicious, he's so smart, he's so charming, he's so nice, but we couldn't have him live at home. I said, what else did he do wrong? Well, he was stealing from us, because they weren't giving him money. Well, we can't give him money for drugs. So they took 101 fever, they did the logical answer, you don't give money for drugs, and they ended up with 104 fever. Doesn't anybody wake up and say, maybe, even though it sounds like a good idea, it's making the patient worse. Not worse, worse category. And then they said, you know, he doesn't shower. His room is a mess. His room is a pigsty. He was fine until he was, whatever, 16, whatever it was. And then all of a sudden, his room is a pigsty. We can't live like that. He refuses to shower. And he's describing symptoms of pain, symptoms of trauma, 15 symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. And he's, instead of recognizing, I had a, a gem of a kid, superstar, smart, sweet, sensitive, and now he's a cripple emotionally and he's all of these terrible things. Something happened to my baby. He doesn't see that. They don't see that. They see, huh? Can you imagine? Who could be in, around a guy who doesn't shower for a month? I'm like, he doesn't shower for a month? What else does that besides childhood sexual abuse? Something happened to him in the mikvah, in camp, or in the bath, something. Isn't that obvious to you? If your kid, he was normal until a certain point, all of a sudden, I can understand some of these kids are whacked out, crazy, nutcases from when they're two and three and four. Most not, only about 5% here are. That's confusing, you know, was it trauma at that age? Sometimes it is. It's confusing. But you have mamish and APK, autopilot kid, swimming through third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, and then all of a sudden, he became bad, like a bottle of milk got spoiled. And then, who could live like this? We can't live like this. So we call the police on him. Because he's stealing. And because it's this, you're looking at symptoms. So they will never see the broken child. That's the baby inside the adult. The child inside the adult. They will never see that. But because you are 
coddling her and not letting her do anything to get you upset. And you're turning over your life. You're, you're an army. She's an army. I mean, if everybody did what she did, wow. Dedication to this child, spending more money than, than who knows what on this sick child who's worth saving, by the way. She's a gem. So look what happens all of a sudden. A year or two later, we end up with a kid who can do so much and yet all of a sudden in mommy's bed, in mommy's bed, I can't deal, sitting and crying, opening up to you, showing you her boo-boo. And now you can see, you could write a book now. What trauma does to a person? Because what she can do, that means trauma doesn't break. What she can't do, you, you write it down. Instead of saying, I don't understand why my kid does this and does that, write a book. Someone gets hit on a bicycle and falls down and has a certain kind of brain injury, you can write a book. Let me tell you what happens when an eight-year-old kid who's four foot seven gets hit by a car going six miles an hour and has this and this type of brain injury. And I'm going to write a book by following this child and everything he does, it doesn't affect and everything cannot do from then, obviously is from the accident, Right? You can write a book on what does emotional cancer do to our kids. What does childhood trauma do to our kids? You're writing a book. You don't have to, by the way. I wrote it for you. It's 1,100 pages and growing, but still. Okay, it's in the manual. Look at your kids. This is done by trauma. Bad Midos doesn't do this. You can only, bad Midos can only take you so far. You could swing 10% this way, be super nice, not nice, selfish, not selfish. You can't ruin your life and become a drug addict on the street and hurting everyone around you and defying Hashem and going off the debt. That doesn't come from a bad midah. Their problem is not that you didn't play enough Uncle Maishi when they were young. Cursing you and they're upset at you and you don't respond, which takes tremendous gvura, they will apologize to you. What happens at that time when your kid is angry at you or, or yelling at you or cursing at you? Chas v'shalom. Why do you yell back? Why do you fight back? First of all, it hurts and you're human. Okay. But if someone says, you know, let's say you had the wherewithal to control yourself. Why, why do those people fight back? Because they'll say, I need to teach them a lesson. They can't talk to a parent that way. That's not going to be tolerated because I need to teach you and you, I want to get you to apologize. You get her to apologize. By not responding, they come down back to their their senses, and they calm down, and they will say, "I'm sorry, mommy," because they're why? Because their problem is not bad midos. Their problem is that they're good, and they get crazy because of post traumatic stress disorder. So the people who are yelling back, bishita, I'm not talking about being in pain, bishita are doing it because they misdiagnose the problem. They think that I have to teach you midos. And if I'm not going to teach you Midos, I was on the phone tonight before before you wonderful people came to keep me company. Terrible story. The mother's crying and the father's saying, you have to stop yelling at him to keep Shabbos. She says, who's supposed to be his mommy if not me? Who will be the mommy of my children? Who will be the mommy if not me? I shouldn't tell him to not keep Shabbos. He made pizza in my oven on Shabbos. And I, I shouldn't tell him. And she can't see in the fleshic problem, right? Okay, for Shalashidis. Okay? So, no, so, but the father is saying, you don't yell at him about Yiddishkeit. He has so many problems. He was in jail. 
he was he's a he's homeless he's on drugs don't yell at him about and she and and understand her mommy's pain she's like if you see your child eating poison you wouldn't yell stop i have to be mechanachim who's going to be mechanachim some other mommy i'm his mommy nabach it's heart-wrenching they don't know what the problem is so they don't know how to fix it so many of the people giving advice to parents the reason it doesn't work is because they don't know what the problem is so you call them up and they say my kid stole from my wallet what do I do I would ask the person before you give advice do you think the problem is that they have a bad midah or do you think the problem is that they have emotional cancer they're giving advice for bad midos. You have to stop him. He has to have consequences. He has to learn boundaries because otherwise never going to be normal. Maybe on a healthy person. Maybe. Not on a sick person. A sick person who's acting this way, who has the best midos and is be'etzim good, it's a different reason why they're acting that way and you can't fix that with any kind of musr or so what you what you're doing is just it's magnificent. I'm just watching this happen, and and that's why when she can do something, she does it because at the very minimum you didn't take her emotional pain that's causing her to be a cripple in certain areas and yell at her and scream at her and be her and make her lose those other areas. So now whatever she can do, she'll do. She can go to work. She'll go to work. She can go keep Shabbos. She can go keep Shabbos. She could say, she can go to Tkia Shaifer. Most kids in her situation, all kids, Kemat, in her situation, that have normal parents who are not doing TP, can't do that. You are an enabler. You enabled her to go to Shul on Rosh Hashanah. You enabled her. You did. You're an enabler. Everybody says that, you know, you're not allowed to enable. You are enabling her to be able to feel comfortable to go to shul. To be able to go keep Shabbos. You enabled her to keep Shabbos. And, and I'm looking at this girl, and, and those of you who know the story for so many years, she's in so much pain. And I, I can't understand why Hashem makes Jewish people have so much pain. We can't understand that. But what I do see is her strength, her gvura. Her commitment to Yiddishkeit, what she did in that Shabbos that she kept, and in so much pain and difficulty, not smoking her weed, and putting away her phone, I don't think any normal person will ever do anything for Hashem as difficult, and as precious, and as beautiful. It's like, for some reason, Hashem is like saying, like, you want to see how strong my kids are? I'm going to bop them on the head, crush them, and then they're going to be all broken, and look, they're still going to keep Shabbos. They're still going to... She made Kiddush unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that's what you're doing. You allowed her to keep Shabbos. That's Yuschar. You allowed her to keep Shabbos. You allowed her to go to shul. You're allowing her to do as much as she can. And all of that part of Yiddishkeit that she cannot do, it's because she's sick. It's because of her pain. Isn't that obvious? You go to the hospital, and the first day to Kiyah Shaifer, you go in, Mr. Goldberg, you want to hear Shaifer? And he can't. And the second day, he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened? He was Chayzer B'tshuva overnight? No. He couldn't the first day and he could the second day. She's going to do everything that she can do in her power and her power is greater than my power and greater than our power. These kids are stronger than us. We've never done anything in our lives that shows from the depths of pain 
that the, that Hashem throw, is throwing them into, and they come out, and each each one of them does it. If you if you allow them to, if you yell at them and you scream at them and you marachik them, they're so busy being homeless and feeling so much more pain because mommy and daddy don't like me and don't understand me and don't believe in me, and it's like all we needed is just an X-ray. When we see an X-ray in a broken bone, where we got it, but there's no X-ray. No. Maybe she's taking advantage. Maybe he could do better. Everybody's judging and judging and judging. Maybe, maybe, maybe. How, why, why do you think so? Why can't we just say this is an unbelievable neshama, a sensitive, super sweet, incredible neshama that got hurt by somebody, a car accident that we didn't see. How do you know? Because look at them. They, they can't even do their own, they, they, they can't even function. They give up their own averis. They can't. They can't function. They're not. They're not enjoying life. And if they were having a great time at life, we can discuss that. They're not having. They're having a really horrible life, and and that's why they're doing those things. And then on top of that, mommy and daddy and the neighbors and the community look down at them. And we have to write a lot of articles about them. The big problem. They're mamish innocent. They're mamish innocent. We have to look at them and say they're innocent. Have a done is called Adam Lekaf Schus. And I see it. A mamish see it because anybody who's following her would say, oh, not sneers. Terrible. Um, this Avera and that Avera and Chil Shabbos and Chilim Kippur and Chil this. Right? Look all the violations from the police officer. And then all of a sudden now, going into the car on Shabbos. And, but on the other hand, you know what a tzaddikah she is, because she does one thing like that when she can. And that's stronger than, than, I think, since the Holocaust. Who has done this? In the Holocaust, we heard stories how they were moiser nefesh, not to eat on Yom Kippur, and not, not to, not to keep, you know, to try to keep Shabbos, and to, Mesiras nefesh. She did an act of Mesiras nefesh that no from person does. So, I, Still, Hashem, please don't give us pain just to prove a point. Don't give us pain. It's too hard for us to, to see their pain. But they're giving Hashem a karban, a sacrifice that regular kids are not doing. They're proving the dedication of a tire a Yiddish neshama, a sweet neshama, a holy neshama. They're proving that when we say, every Jew, right, everyone says it, every Yid is a chelak, a lekam, imal, mamish, few chabatskers in the room. Every year is a mamish. Do you believe it? Yeah. Do you believe it? Yeah. Do you believe it? Yeah. Until you see somebody off the derech, oh, not him. No, they are also mamish. And if we do our part to not hurt them and cause them to have extra pain and to reject them, especially people rejecting in the name of Hashem, in the name of Hashem, you're rejecting a Yiddishkind. Let them recover, catch their breath. Don't judge them. You don't understand them. And then when they calm down, you'll see what you're seeing. What you're seeing now is mamash like a doctor that sees the machla. You see everything she could do, she does. Everything she can't do, she cannot do. Oh, perfect example. She'll fast Tisha above and she might not fast Sim Kippur because she's doing everything she can. If she hits a depression or she has a trigger or she, or the drugs aren't working on her and she's having nightmares, then she falls apart. Her rutzen is if you gave her a piece of paper, sign here and you're not going to do one sin for the whole year. Would she sign it? Of course she would. 
She's not an Avarian. These kids are not Rishoyim. They don't have an agenda against Hashem. They're trying to survive. They're trying, Pasha, to survive this thing called life. And then they're doing it while everybody in Klal Yisrael is busy with them and judging them and looking down at them and the neighbors and the kids. We don't want our kids to see and all of that. And they're mamish like the best and the brightest. I don't know when everybody's going to wake up to realize what's happening here. You see it clearly. You should write a book. This is Avi Fischoff from Twisted Bounty. To be added to my broadcast, please send a WhatsApp request to 718-902-6666.